welcome to I Scream, the podcast. I am your host, Kira Hamilton, and today marks the 11th episode of this true crime podcast. Today we are going to be talking about the case of Marilyn and Sam Shepard, and this case is an unsolved case. We haven't covered any unsolved cases except for the one which was a killer calls, and that was a pretty good case in my opinion. I mean, I thought it was pretty chilling. Although that one had a very clear suspect. I mean, it only had one suspect, and they clearly did it. Um, but this one is a little bit different. There are actually multiple suspects, so there can be some dispute on this. However, I personally believe the suspect on this one is clear. However, we can all have different disputed ideas about it because it's not solved yet. There has been no conviction, so we will never really know. But... Anyways, let's go ahead and get on into the case of Marilyn and Sam Shepard. Sam Shepard was born December 29, 1923 in Cleveland, Ohio, the youngest of three sons of Richard Allen Shepard. He attended Cleveland Heights High School where he was an excellent student and was active in American football, basketball, and track. He was also class president for three years. And a lot of people at school found him a very nice guy. Shepard met his future wife, Marilyn Reese, while in high school. Although several small Ohio colleges offered him athletic scholarships, Shepard chose to follow the lead of his father and older brothers and pursue a career in osteopathic medicine. He enrolled at Hanover College in Indiana to study pre-osteopathic medical courses, then took supplementary courses at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland. Shepard finished his medical education at the Los Angeles Osteopathic School of Physicians and Surgeons, and he was awarded the Doctor of Osteopathic Medicine degree. So, as you can tell, he seems like a very upstanding guy, Sam Shepard. He seems like a very great guy, and he seems like he's got a pretty good life. He was offered a lot of scholarships. He's very athletic. However, he chose to go into a career of neurosurgery, and as you know, neurosurgery is a very hard and complicated field, and neurosurgeons make a lot of money. They are very great people, neurosurgeons, and I think what they do is amazing. And so, at the moment, everything seems very normal. Sam Shepard, normal. And we haven't really met Marilyn yet, but we will come to find out more about her. Shepard completed his internship and a residency in neurosurgeon at Los Angeles County General Hospital. He married Marilyn Reese on February 21, 1945 in Hollywood, California. Two years later, him and Marilyn would have their first and only son, who they called Chip, but was named Sam. From everyone on the outside, the couple seemed to have a happy marriage. In fact, Marilyn and Sam lived in a community where all of the neighbors were friends. This made many people believe they knew the couple and that they knew that they had this happy marriage. However, this may be found to be untrue. On July 3rd, 1945, the Shepherds hosted their neighbors for dinners, drinks, and a movie. Just after midnight, Sam fell asleep on the couch and Marilyn said her goodbye to the guests. Suddenly, he was awoken by his wife's screams in the bedroom. Rushing to her, Shepard encountered a, quote, form of light garment, end quote. It was knocked unconscious. When he came around, he found his 31-year-old wife lying murdered on her twin bed. 
He checked on his now seven-year-old son who was sleeping and proceeded to chase a, quote, bushy-haired intruder in a white shirt, end quote, overtaking him on a nearby lake, which was Lake Erie. They struggled, and the man once more knocked Shepard unconscious. Now, this is all what allegedly happened, according to Sam. However, what we know is, at about 5.40 a.m. on July 4th, Mayor Spencer Hoke, a close friend of the Shepherds, which is so cool that they're friends with the mayors, awoke to a phone call from Sam, saying, quote, My God, Sam. My God, Sam. I mean, my God, Spence, get over here quick. I think they have killed Marilyn, end quote. Spencer and his wife raced to the house immediately to find Sam shirtless in his study, holding his neck seemingly in a state of shock. They immediately called the police and first responders who arrived by 6 o'clock that morning. I'm going to presume that it probably took, like, I don't know, let's assume they were neighbors or they lived relatively close to each other, so, like, take two, three minutes to get there, and maybe just, like, a little bit to marinate. So it took the police about 10 minutes to get there, which is quick, if I do say so, myself. Anyways, before the coroner arrived at 8 o'clock a.m., the crime scene had been badly compromised by police, relatives, neighbors, and the press that were wandering the house, which usually, I'm not sure what really happened during this time, which is the 1950s, however, but usually we close off crime scenes to media, so we'd have, like, um, caution tape around it, if I am correct, and media would be forced to stay outside. I don't see why media would want to be inside when there's still, like, a body in there, and I feel like that's also media generally tries to have good intentions of like informing the public but it is very rude when somebody is going through this tragedy in crisis like their wife has just been killed or their close friend has just been killed you really don't want to be just wandering around disturbing the crime scene i think it's very rude and disrespectful but i guess i can't really say anything maybe they were just doing what their boss told them so they didn't get fired who knows but in my opinion i think it's very rude that there was media all in there, you know, crowding in the scene and stuff. Anyways, by police, relatives, and neighbors that had been in the house, the crime scene was compromised. From the police report, we know that Marilyn's body was found lying upwards, her face turned toward the door, beaten beyond recognition. She had over 20 gashes curved into her face and scalp. Blood covered the sheets and the walls were dripping with heavy splatter. Her pajamas were partially removed, leaving her exposed. 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 Eventually, the autopsy determined Marilyn's time of death to be around 4.30 a.m. It also determined that there were 15 more gashes under her hair. Sadly, it also revealed that Marilyn was four months pregnant with her second son, who had passed when Marilyn passed. Which is so very tragic. I mean... Just imagine being anyone, even if Sam had or hadn't done it, you know, imagine being him and finding out that your wife was four months pregnant with your son and you just lost not only your wife, but your son as well. It's really terrible to think. Anyways, when the investigation started, Sam was immediately viewed as a suspect, as in many of these cases. Although we have found from cases like the Castings case, this isn't always true. 
considering the case to be a domestic violence case by the police. Considering the police couldn't find any evidence of a break-in and no fingerprints, not to mention the shepherd's dog had not barked. Their dog's name was Coco, and she was known to bark at strangers walking by, making it easy to presume that she would have barked at any nighttime intruder, alerting Sam to an attack and preventing the murder. However, Sam never heard the dog bark. Although the investigation had found these things, there were also some holes in the suspicions surrounding Sam. To start, the injuries Sam had presumably gotten from his encounter with the intruder were described as serious and, quote, almost impossible to self-inflict, end quote. Plus, most husbands that kill their wives have assaulted them at previous times in their marriages. There's no evidence that Sam previously assaulted Marilyn, nor had Sam ever been charged with any other act of violence. Also, many people believe that Marilyn was exposed, that the way Marilyn was exposed wouldn't be something a husband would do. However, in a murder case, it is unlikely that a murderer is going to be like, hmm, I'm just going to be polite to this woman, even if it is their husband. Um, there are many cases of husbands murdering their wives or vice versa. And a lot of the times they're not like, I'm going to cover my wife when I kill her. Like, they don't really care that much, I'm sure. And especially in an act this violent. I mean, things. she's got huge gashes all over her head from being beaten with an unknown object and that is a crime of passion it's like like imagine having hitting beating somebody to death that takes a while you know beating somebody to death and managing to make a lot of wounds but also 35 gashes on her head and in her hair area i mean just think if you think about how crime of passions work, you know, they're generally enraged or mad or whatever. So they're probably just like going ham on this person, which is so horrible to think. But it kind of takes a while, you know, to do that. And it would be expected possibly that some clothes would like slip off of somebody just while these things are happening. Who knows? So I'm just thinking... I guess, yeah, a husband wouldn't do that, but if you're a husband that has decided to murder your wife, does it really matter to them? You know, if you're going to murder your wife, does it really matter if you leave them covered or uncovered? Plus, it seems by the way some people are reacting, you know, like, oh, a husband would never do this. It seems like a smart move, you know, because then he's like, oh, people are going to think a husband would never do blah, so I'm going to do that. And they'll be like, well... Husbands can't do that, but that's untrue. It's just untrue. There are some bad husbands, like it's, and bad wives, and it's hard to say, but that is a thing. So we can't just assume that all husbands or wives are amazing people indefinitely or always, you know? Anyways, <laughs> um, so after seeing things like that and being like, Seeing, seeing different evidence like that, it was starting to be a mixed bag, you know, and it was like, Sam did it, Sam didn't do it, and the evidence was pretty 50-50. However, there was a couple more things that could get Sam convicted, one of them being his shirt. That's right, his shirt. Remember when I said a couple paragraphs ago, or just a while ago, how Spencer and his wife found Sam shirtless in his study? 
Well, his shirt is one of the biggest leads the prosecution got. Sam said he wore a t-shirt on the night of the murder. Presumably, if he was the killer, the t-shirt would contain many blood spots from the brutal murder. When asked by police about the shirt, Sam said, quote, Maybe the man I saw needed one. I don't know. End quote. His explanation was weak at best. In fact, later a shirt in Sam's size was that was torn was found. In my opinion, the whole maybe the man I saw needed one, and like, I guess he is saying that he assumes that when he was knocked unconscious, this man took the shirts off of him. I don't know about that. Um, I don't know. I think it is kind of fishy patchy. I guess you could be like, maybe the man that I fought with, like struggled with before he had departed. Maybe he had taken my shirt off me. I mean, I don't know. If you got close enough to have a physical altercation, you'd know whether or not he had a shirt or needed a shirt or whatnot. I don't know. I think it, it's kind of a little far-fetched. And I mean, as I said, it's not the best explanation, but I guess you could also attribute that to him being knocked unconscious and possibly being a little out of it to begin with. Anyways, another big piece for the prosecution was the imprint of a surgical knife in the blood on Marilyn's pillow. With the evidence being beginning to stack on Sam, on July 30th, 1954, Sam was charged with the murder of Marilyn. They believed that infidelity was a motive for the murder, and when Sam eventually took the stand, he did admit to the infidelity. And when taking the stand, he came off as arrogant, which didn't really help his case at all. And personally, I think as a doctor, you'd probably, a neurosurgeon, you'd probably know to be a little bit more polite, especially in court when you are being tried for a murder. You definitely don't want to come off as arrogant because that just makes it seem insincere and like you didn't really care that she died or not, if you know what I'm saying. Anyways, on December 16th, the jury found Sam Shepard guilty of the murder of his wife, and he was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 10 years. A few weeks later, Shepard's mother committed suicide, and his dad passed away just days after. Marilyn's father would also die by suicide in 1963. Although I could not find why his mother and Marilyn's father committed suicide, we can all presume, just based on the time span that all of this happened, that his father, Sam's father, not his father, Sam's mother, most likely committed suicide because of the conviction of her son. You know, knowing that maybe I'll never see him again. Obviously, I personally believe that's a bit of a rust decision. I could see being overwhelmed with grief, but I obviously don't know what was going on in her mind, and I can't really say, you know, she shouldn't have done that. So I can't really say. But it also seems that Marilyn's father would have committed suicide because of her death. Because really, in that case, he definitely never would have seen Marilyn again unless he believed that if he passed he would get to see Marilyn on the other side. So that makes sense to me. But I just think it's all sorts of tragic that Sam's mother dies by suicide and just days later, his father dies. Not of suicide, just of natural causes, but that's insane. Like you've already got one blow hit. You've been convicted for the murder of your wife and assuming he hasn't done it, 
and another blow, your mother dies. And then just days later, another blow, your dad dies. That is just terrible. Even if he did kill his wife, it's still horrible to lose his mother and his father. Anywho, in 1964, the trial was reopened on the grounds that it was poorly managed. After nearly 10 years in prison, Sam was released after the judge deemed his trial unfair due to the intense media coverage, which I don't really think. I don't know how the whole jury thing works, but I don't know that the jury would have been influenced by the media. I'm not sure what it's what the judge is trying to say. Like, he believes that the jury was influenced by the way the media portrayed Sam or whether he believes that... Man, I'm not really sure what that means because of intense media coverage, you know? You can tell me what you think that means. I'll share my Instagram at the end of this episode, but I'm not really sure what that means. I don't really get that, really. But you'd think if they had a retrial, they'd represent evidence and do it in a more subtle way with less media coverage and then see if he still got the same conviction rather than just releasing him because of the media coverage. That's just my opinion. I don't really know how a court of law works, but that's just my opinion. Upon his release, Shepard soon turned to alcohol to ease his suffering and his life quickly headed downhill. He died on April 6, 1970 from liver failure. After his death, his outraged son, Chip or Sam was determined to clear his father and find the real killer. His focus turned to Richard Richard Eberling, the shepherd's window washer at the time of the murder. Already imprisoned for killing an elderly woman, Eberling became a suspect in Marilyn Shepherd's murder when modern testing of DNA from the crime scene pointed to him. Sort of. <laughs> In 1995, Sam brought a civil suit against the state to declare his father innocent rather than merely not guilty. But in 2000, the jury found the elder shepherd not innocent. To this day, the crimes remain unsolved. So they did not find Eberling guilty, but they also did not find Shepherd guilty. They, in fact, found him not innocent. I don't know. I don't. This whole thing's really confusing to me. Uh, anyways, on that note, let's talk about some alternative theories more in depth. So the first one is the mysterious intruder that Sam wrestled with, who was never found. However, witnesses did claim to see a man fitting Sam's description. Now, of course, this mysterious intruder could also be our second suspect, Richard Eberling, who is believed to be the murder murderer by Chip slash Sam. He had cleaned the windows of the house and was found in possession of one of Marilyn's rings, although he had stolen it from her sister-in-law. Eberling stated that while he was cleaning the window, he had cut his finger and bled in the house. His blood was tested against the blood on the pillow, but the results were inconclusive, which is why I said kind of before. However, he does seem to be a strong suspect, if if not Sam, because he's already a criminal convicted of murdering someone else. She worked on their windows so he would know kind of his way around the house. He was a close friend, so it would explain why the dog didn't bark. And he just seems like a clear suspect. You know, he has 
all of this evidence against him. However, Sam has a lot more circumstantial evidence and like hard evidence. A lot of this is sort of just speculation based on kind of what he's done and the knowledge he has. It's not really like no circumstantial evidence. Like I couldn't find anything about him cleaning the windows that day of the murder or, you know, being at the house any time. But I also couldn't find anything that said he was definitely like doing something else. So who knows? But the DNA test did come back inconclusive. I don't really know. But personally, in my mind, I still think it's Sam. You can tell me what you think on my Instagram, but I honestly just think it's Sam. I think Richard Eberling is a pretty good suspect, though alternative suspect to put on. But I think there's actual hard evidence against Sam. Now, of course, there's definitely contradicting evidence, but I just feel like Sam's got the most evidence. He's got the most things against him despite the contradicting evidence. That's why I think that, to me, it's clear that it was him. However, you can tell me if you think this other mysterious intruder who was possibly Richard Eberling did it, or if you just think Richard Eberling did it. Anyways... You can tell me your thoughts on my Instagram at icecream underscore podcast. Please tell me your thoughts there. I'd love to hear it. If you have any suggestions for any future cases, please let me know. Also, I recently started an agriculture podcast called Legendary, like dairy, like milk and stuff, which is, I know, I'm great at punny names. (laughs) Anyways, I'm working really hard on it, and I would love if you'd go check it out. We talk about all kinds of cool things like invasive species, ag marketing, and so much more. So if you're taking any sort of classes that involve agriculture, maybe you can find an episode that suits you. I research really hard to make sure everything's accurate and valid. Plus, I really enjoy doing it, and it's for my SAE project, and I'd love to just have lots of you listen to it. It would make my day. Anyways, we talk about all kinds of cool things like invasive species, ag marketing, and so much more. At the moment, we have two episodes up, and I'm coming out with another one next Friday or this upcoming Friday. Please go check it out. The Instagram for that podcast is legend underscore dairy like milk underscore podcast. Go check that out. Anyways, that's all for today's episode. See you next Saturday. Don't forget to put your suggestions on my Instagram. Instagram or anything like that. I may be putting up a poll, so be looking out for that. I will see you guys next week. Goodbye.